think in tiktoks now i was having this yes. conversation at work the other day or actually no it was last night with the girls with my cousins cousins there's just like sounds like someone will say something and then i'll sing a tiktok song in my head or make a tiktok sound in my head it happens my daughter and i my oldest daughter and i were just talking about this i was like tiktok is just living in my head rent free all the time all the time like i found you- myself like i was i was doing something and i was like we Weed. I was like, you know what? I need to stop. I need to stop. It's, Do you know which ridiculous. one gets me all the time? I never knew how many times people say, oh, no, until TikTok. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. All no. those sounds. You just can't get them out of your head. What do they call it? The earworm? The, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All day. All night. Mm-hmm. Thanks, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right. So, uh, so, uh, yeah. Well, I'll get you another episode. I don't know why I'm like patting my mic. This is going to sound great. You're going to love that. You're going to love that in editing. Or I'm like, ba-boom, ba-boom. I'm going to leave that one in. It's like you were trying to comfort the mic because we've been working these mics so hard this afternoon. I know. We've been very ber- verbose. Yes, we're we gonna have. Talk about, we're going to talk about elitism today. Let me pull out all of my vocab words. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm excited. Some Chardonnay. We've got some fancy SAT words. And- yeah. I um. I'm done with my latte, so I guess I'm going to have some water. You know what I didn't realize until, like, I think this year is that somewhere some somewhere in something I either read or watched something that explained to me why the SATs are racist. And I was like, fuck, is anything? Did we make anything in this country that isn't racist? Survey says? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> No, like all the time, like somebody was like, this feels criminal. It kind of was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically. We've just been very chit-chatty recently. We just kind of want to like chit-chat about book stuff. Well, there's just a lot and going on, right? We have a lot of stuff stuff's happening and it's all exciting. And there yeah. is. And one of the things that I am loving is, is so YouTubes seems to really like people doing lives. Lives seem to be like the thing now on YouTube. Oh, yes. And yeah. there have been some really interesting live discussions happening yep. in the booktube space. And there was one yesterday as of the date of this recording that was over on um, Happily Ever After H-E-A Booktube. So that's Heather. And I think she did it in conjunction with Jesse from Books and Bow... Uh, sorry, Bowties and Books. I always get that the wrong way around. Uh, L. Brooks and Jess Owens. And the whole discussion was about elitism in the book community. And I was watching it as I was doing things yesterday. And there were a lot of really interesting questions and I that kind of came up in the discussion. And I kind of thought it would be fun to sort of just like chit-chat generally about the bookish space under that umbrella. Especially since... One of the big things that came up in this talk was the discussion of what does it mean to read diversely? And then caveat to that or addition corollary to that, uh, does the do the algorithms of BookTube and or whatever other social media platform you're on reward you for reading diversely? So and oh, since, this whole, so since our whole 
ethos here, look at me, I'm pulling out all the words. Ethos mm-hmm. here is to be people who promote reading diversely in every way, shape, or form. You can go back to one of our first ever episodes where we discussed what our goals are with TVR Lowdown and especially the podcast is yeah. to introduce people to as much variety in books as possible because there is so much out there. Um, and it's not just like reading queer books or reading books by black authors there's this there's, there's there's like a whole thing i'm excited to have that conversation but it also sounds like we're gonna be talking about things we talked about before yeah so well. it really felt like it fit into like our whole our goals here our mission statement if you yeah. will i, I like that I yeah like so what that. are you reading what are you well, reading i want to talk about another book that i finished I think last week or maybe two weeks ago. I th- is this a debut as well? I'm not sure, but it's called Our American Friend. By oh, you liked that by Anna Petoniak. I feel like that's wrong. I'm sorry, Anna. So um, I got this from my library, and I was also this was another one of my anticipated reads for the for 2022. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to read the inside flap for a bit. It says, "Okay, tired of covering the grating dysfunction of Washington and the increasingly outrageous antics of President Henry Kane, White House correspondent Sophie Morris quits her job and plans to leave politics behind. But then she gets a call from the office of First Lady Laura Kane asking Sophie to come in for a private meeting." Sophie, like the rest of the world, knows little about Laura, only that she was born in Soviet Russia, raised in Paris, and worked as a model before moving to America and marrying the notoriously brash future president. When Laura asked Sophie to write her official biography to finally fill in the gaps of her history, Sophie's curiosity gets the better of her. She begins to spend more and more time in the White House, slowly developing a friendship with Laura, who, to Sophie's surprise, is entirely candid about her mysterious past. The First Lady spills all about her first and only true love and her father's work as an undercover KGB officer in Paris and how he wasn't the only person and her family living a double life let me tell you something guys and gals i had so much fun reading this book like it was it was a good time okay if you're all into like you know russian spies kgb double agents and all that stuff then you will really have a good time reading our american friend emma needs to read that it was it was great it was great. I really love Laura, the first lady. I enjoyed Sophie, the journalist. It was just a really fun book. And you know what? It kind of felt cozy in a way. It felt oh, kind cozy of cozy. Spy novel. Yeah, like I was at work. Um, look, I was just, I had the book on my desk at work, listening to the audiobook. I was just like, this is one of those days. But I felt like I wanted to be home in my comfy chair with a blankie on while reading it. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> also, the cover yes. is just so retro and it is cute. Oh, I, I like just, it. I love it. I love it. If I find well, this used somewhere, I'm definitely going to pick it up. I'd read it, it again. Is it backlist? No, it's a new. It's a it's a new release. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm just well, not. Sh- I don't think it's a debut or we'll say somewhere on here a debut. And it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm reading through. I don't know. Well, I literally have no idea what to show you because I was—I only have one book going before I discussed it. We can go back to it if you want. But uh, what I'm going to start probably very soon, like tonight or tomorrow, is the books of Jacob by Olga Tokarczyk. Tokarczyk. Whatever. <laughs> and, uh, I've been um, practicing. Well, 
in between our um, recordings, I have read like six pages of this manga. So I don't know which one you want me to talk about, but I'll tell you about both. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what you want me to tell you about the books of Jacob because I haven't started it yet, but we are very excited to read this. I like yes, that are. the pages count backwards. I actually think that's brilliant. Oh, and all books should okay. do that. Did you not know that? No, I haven't looked at my... It's just in the box. I haven't actually looked at the book yet. Oh, yeah. So it starts... Like, the page numbers start at, like, 800 and something, and they go down to oh, one. Oh, okay. Love like that. a little countdown. I think that's fantastic. All books should be that way. Because you're always like, how many pages do I have left? Here, you're like, 400. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Love it. So this enormous book is in the mid-18th century. As new ideas begin to sweep the continent, a young Jew of mysterious origins arrives in a village in Poland. Before long, he has changed not only his name, but his persona, visited by what seem to be ecstatic experiences. Jacob Frank casts a charismatic spell that attracts an increasingly fervent following in the decades Decade to come, Frank will traverse the the Habsburg and Ottoman empires, throngs of disciplines, oh, sorry, disciples, not disciplines, disciples <laughs> in his thrall as he reinvents himself again and again, converts to Islam and then Catholicism, is pilloried as a heretic and revered as the Messiah and wreaks havoc on the conventional order, Jewish and Christian alike. This skip. With scandalous rumors of his sex secret ritual, rituals and the spread of his increasingly iconoclastic beliefs. Uh, Books of Jacob is a, her masterpiece. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to talk about how fantastic she is. Um, and uh, yes, this was, she writes the story of Frank through the perspectives of his counterparts capturing Enlightenment Europe on the cusp of, of precipitous change, searching for certainty and longing for transcendence. So it's supposed to be phenomenal. We both have enjoyed her two other books that we've read. So this is getting started because the audio has arrived and it's huge. But then this is just a little first volume in a novel in a, in a manga series that I, I have been having a very hard time finding the second one. Uh, there's literally one copy on Abe. It's very hard to find. Oh, okay. and I don't certain volumes seem to be difficult to find, but it's called Siuli um, uh, Run. I don't know. The Girl from the Other Side. It's cute. Mm, mm-hmm. The artwork's cute. It's like a little, young, it's a younger manga. It's once upon a time in a land far away, there were two kingdoms, the outside where twisted beasts roamed that could curse with a touch and the inside where humans lived in safety and peace. The girl and the beast should never have met. But when they do, a quiet, a quiet fairy tale begins. This is the story of two people, one human, one inhuman, who linger in the hazy twilight that separates night from day. It just sounded like a nice okay. little book. I bought it a little while ago, and I figured uh, I would like to read it. But I really need to figure out how to get the next the volumes, because there's, yeah. there's at least like 11 volumes. And... They're not. They're not very long. This is the one thing I hate about mangas. They're not very long. Mm-hmm. They're terribly expensive, especially since they come from you know overseas usually. Yeah. And it's it's just annoying because I can't find them. But when we're talking about elitism, let's talk about the fact that these things are ridiculously expensive. Ridiculously. Right. Wow. So how? What's the price on that? So this is like $13, which isn't mm. terrible, but like mm-hmm. the next volume, the only one that I can find is like 18. Wow. 
which seems like a lot, right? And but that's yes. not. I, I'm sure it's also nineteen dollars, or sorry, twelve dollars. Mm-hmm. But it's just because there's. I don't know where they are. Like they're just hard to find. They're like out of print or something. I don't know. Right. But if you think about it, if there's eleven or twelve volumes of this, that's like over a hundred dollars just to get. I don't even know if it's done. That's true. Going back to Olga T. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, the both of us read her book, Flights, and Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, and then we're getting ready to read the books of Jacob. So I'm hoping that you and I can have uh, another conversation, another episode uh, where we focus on our reading challenge, 12 Women, 12 Countries, and talk Mm -hmm. about our experience reading these three works by Olga. I, I have reserved my feelings about the other two books from you. Because we're going to talk about it later. It's killing me, by the way. Just understand that. Understand that these thoughts that I'm holding back to save for a future show is killing me. Because we talk about books so much on a regular daily basis. Like, it's so hard for me. It's so hard for me. But I'm looking forward to that conversation. Me too. Yeah. I'm hoping that I like it. Because it's going to be a big chunk of time that I'm investing in this book. I'm dying to know where I land with it. Um, after reading those other two works by her, like I'm really interested to see where this book falls for me. Yeah, I definitely dig her writing. Like, I like I, I, there's there's a lot of positivity here, but I don't know that it's something that I will always love everything she writes. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Oh, so we're gonna yeah. see. We're gonna see because we've only read two, and they were vastly different. So right, and she's I got feel more like, backlist that we haven't yeah. read, and I wonder how different all of those are. So is the book space? in the bookstornet elitist that's an interesting question because i'm okay continue your thought or your question well because what i was gonna say one of the really big topics like topics that got discussed a lot was the idea of reading diversely like i said and whether Mm -hmm. or not the algorithms um reward you for that and sort of unanimously the, the the response was no they don't um you know if you talk about when you talk about like books that could be similar to like a Sarah J. Mass, mm-hmm. I, I hate that poor Sarah J. Mass. She's constantly being used as like the figurehead of these things. But you know, like Sarah J. Mass, they're gonna yeah. get all the attention. But when you go over to maybe say, I'm just gonna pick a random book, Rage of Dragons, mm-hmm. now you're getting less viewership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And say you then go to a translated work. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting even less viewership. Yes. So it's it doesn't seem like the systems we have in place right now are helping to promote any sort of diversity at all. They are helping to keep the same old, same old going, which is usually predominantly male or like white female. This is a tricky one, right? Because... All right, so this young girl that I follow, Emmy, I really enjoy her channel. Mm-hmm. She has she's adorable. I like her. She's so sweet, but also she's like I could be her mother. But a lot of what she reads, I would read. Okay, there too. are a lot of people on book two that like I could be their mother. So I'm just saying, like you know, she's I could be her mom. But a lot of what she reads, I would read too. She reads. She reads pretty diversely, I think. Mm-hmm. And she reads a lot of backlist stuff that I have an interest mm-hmm. in reading as well. And if I'm not mistaken, 
she has something like, I don't know. I'm trying to put her really quickly. She has 260,000 subscribers. I and think- she is not... She is not talking about mainstream stuff, but I'm wondering, is it because she's like a university student and that's the appeal with her? So that's like the Jack Edwards effect, right? So like, so you have someone like Jack Edwards, who I think if he doesn't have a million, he at least has half a million subs, right? Mm -hmm. And he reads all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. and he does these very- Is that the one that just moved to Paris, that guy? Yeah, and he does all these very, like, and he's charming, he's fun to watch, but he started really much more as, like, a uni lifestyle vlogger, mm-hmm. content creator, how to how to do this at uni, how to do that at uni. And there's this group, I think, of, like, particularly British university students that have YouTube channels or former university students that have YouTube mm-hmm. channels that also cross into the bookosphere, but aren't just bookosphere things like Sunbeam Jess is not just a booktuber. Oh, she's I really also, enjoy her. And she's wonderful. And I think those people, cause here's the other part of this conversation that came up. Those people get views that have nothing to do with reading. Um, so their, their views sort of are in line with their sub counts. And what mm. a lot of what people were saying on this discussion that was had about elitism, and these are all creators with a fairly decent sub count for mm-hmm. what was a very niche, you know, area. You know, if you have 30 some odd thousand subs, but you're only getting like a thousand views on a video mm-hmm. that doesn't, that doesn't correlate and yeah. that actually hurts you in the, in the algorithm. So when you do put out a video that is more in line with maybe what you like to read, that is outside of the mainstream things that the algorithm wants to promote. Um, it doesn't help you grow, which then means it doesn't help to push your, that narrative or that information out to other people. So, you know, you're not, I guess the real question is like, can't, is there a way, how do you almost like cheat the algorithm to get different books in front of the eyes of viewers? That's see, my question. See, I don't think you can cheat the algorithm. I don't think you can either. I don't even think we understand the algorithm. I asked that in the comments. I was like, does anybody even understand the YouTube algorithm? And they were like, yes. And I was like, well, then you're smart because I don't think anybody really understands the YouTube algorithm because right. it Plus changes it's so much. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is where I think this Emmy is an outlier because all of her videos are about books and mm-hmm. other things as well. And she's got ridiculous number of but views it, on her videos. Isn't Emmy also like a vlogger? Um. Yeah. So Which I feel is, like, like there's includes books. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like there's certain things that I, I, I want to say muddy, like that muddy the data um, mm-hmm. when you're looking at it. So like, I think that vloggers get a certain, so I think about like Morgan Long. So like Morgan Long is also a videographer. So she makes beautiful vlogs. They are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And she'll do like, beautiful stunningly visually stunning the audio is stunning everything is beautiful um 
read reads with me. So she'll just do an hour and it's just it's just sounds and it's these beautiful images. She films things. Yeah. It's gorgeous around Portland. I love her. And um that is like its own sphere. And like she talks about books and she'll read and she'll do these things. She'll go to Powell's and yada yada yada. But then there's people like Elliot Brooks, who's on this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So she's a lot more of like a book reviewer. Yes. So and that's and that's a different it's, it's almost like that's a different subset of viewership and the algorithm is treating this is my opinion or what I've seen it feels like the algorithm treats those things very differently even though they might be both bookish and I yeah. think if you go into that like vloggy sphere mm-hmm. you might there's a word yeah um that might that might be able to get you to a bigger like bigger audience you know if you're good at it and you get you're mm-hmm. captivating yada yada i'm not just thinking just go make vlogs i mean who the hell yeah. knows I, mean, I have no idea how the algorithm really works but it just seems like that changes the dynamic a little than just being like a reviewer well even if you are just a reviewer that doesn't mean you're going to get more hits or whatever because also i think when you're a reviewer genre plays into how well you do if you're a reviewer of fantasy and sci-fi i do think you're going to get bigger hits than if you're a reviewer of like you know lit fic or contemporary fiction you know fantasy and sci-fi is so big yes and sort of no Mm -hmm. i would say because i feel like if you have niched down to a genre and you stay in that genre you can great gain traction like books and Um, bow and Eric Carl Anderson. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, but then you have like the guy that you introduced to me who does all the grim dark. Like oh, that I red. think it's fantastic this mm-hmm. fantastic. And uh, like there are people that they're smaller, but they have a very dedicated um fan base. And they have their sort of viewership is matching their sub counts. So, mm-hmm. Like so like as their subs are growing, their views are growing, it makes sense. But anybody who's actually reading diversely in the sense that they're like reading from all different areas yeah i feel like they're not it's so hit and miss so like not that i have like a huge channel in any way so i don't think the data is very good to use but in general almost like anecdotally we can Mm -hmm. use my my analytics the the video that consistently does well is my vlog of den of vipers consistently i gotta tell you it's so disturbing to me views every day somebody is watching that thing it's disturbing and i have i don't know probably a, a couple hundred videos like maybe a, over 100 videos now i'm assuming yeah on the, on the channel so like you know people aren't re-watching i guess the point is like nobody's you're not gonna re-watch a lot of our content in mm-hmm. bookstagram so like that stuff's kind of out do we have very seasonal content right so mm-hmm. like we're like our march tbr mm-hmm. do i want to see your march tbr from 2019 maybe but i mean listen it- i feel like it's a it's a very complex little area of youtube it is and so right it, it, look it depends what kind of reader you are right like i have gone years back into Russell, Inca Paper Blog on you on, mm-hmm. on Booktube. 
I have gone back. I've basically gone back to almost the beginning and I've been watching his stuff. And yeah, I want to see what his monthly favors were from 2009. Like I want to see it because I'm interested in his reading tastes. But if I don't have that interest there, I'm not going to go that far yeah. back in someone's videos. But same I mean, thing with I think, books and bio. I'm going to do the same thing. I just, I'll go yeah. way back. I think it's like a general, like to me, and I don't think that these videos get as much views as other videos. Like haul videos seem, everybody wants to see people buy stuff. And that was a big part of this discussion was about the elitism and the capital, the, the capitalism and all of that. that I, don't, I don't like that argument space. though. I don't but like then, that argument. That argument comes back. That's a cyclical or like argument that comes back in the space. We always are debating. This I know, thing but I think that it's. I, I think that there's an assumption that people are always buying new books. Like we haul and a lot was, of books, and that but, was a big part of the discussion. We also get gifted a lot of books too, and yeah, like, but it, even if we didn't get gifted any, the amount of books that you and I haul, paying cash out of our own pockets, is astronomical. Like the number is high, but lately, it's all thrifted. Lately, uh, uh, most of the books that I have bought lately in the last, like, since I got on Pango have been, like, negligible because I'm using the money that I've earned mm-hmm. from selling my other books. So right. I, I, now that this has become, like, something that's sort of taken over my life, I had to find, there was a necessity to find a way to afford this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't also have to buy books, like, there are libraries. There yeah. is Kindle Unlimited. There are so many options. Like, yes, you have to pay for Kindle Unlimited, but guess what? It's unlimited. You don't right. have so many in your little Kindle, but we just exchange them. Like it's, you know, what I mean? like it's. There's so, so many ways. You have your Libby app. You have. There's so many ways to not have to be out there spending tons of money. But if you think about the people who are watching YouTube videos as a whole on YouTube, consumerism is huge. You have all these people that go out and they like, like think of like a Jeffree Star flashing all of his money, all of his, like look at my Birkin vault and look at this and look at Mm -hmm. that. This is something that for some reason or other, we are drawn to as people. We want to see your consumerism. We want to see you buy things that we can't necessarily afford. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that still plays a role in, in the booktube space because people like to watch hauls but interestingly i think people like to watch unhauls the unhauls are popular now so what i'm hearing from a lot of booktubers on their videos is that their numbers are higher on their unhaul videos because the next highest videos in my in my analytics are like my two unhaul videos Mm, interesting now i never watch unhaul videos (laughs) i only want to see the books you haul because in my mind, the unhauled books are the ones you didn't like. So why do I want to see those? But I think people, I think it's the same reason why people like to watch rant videos. It's because you want, people secretly want like the tea. They want, so I like, I think Rants with Cindy like kind of blew up when she blew up is because she like was good at ranting about books and people like that. And she did it well and articulately and it was engaging. Whether you like her or not, that's not the conversation it's yeah people enjoy it was entertaining it's it and it wasn't something that everybody was doing i think it's like why jess blew up when jess blew up and now jess has like a nice comfortable viewership and Mm -hmm. jess seems like a little bit freer since she moved out of just doing book community but nobody was doing like a book community Mm -hmm. and that is content that you can watch over and over and over again yeah 
That's true. And that people are going to dig back in because it's like gossipy stuff. It's like all of the commentary spill channel, like tea spilling channels. Right. And plus, Jess is just funny. Like she's just I mean, like she's see, good and she's entertaining and she's articulate. Well, that's and- the other thing. Let's let's not let's not act like it's personality that has to play a lot in this. Okay, so when I think about BookTube, and and we need to be honest about some of this stuff, right? Like your personality makes a big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also like a certain look that people have that get them a lot of views and subscribers. Let, let's not act like that's not a oh, thing. Remember as well. when we. We joked about me doing like an experiment with a blonde wig and to yes. see if I get more views. Yes, I think your stuff would shoot up so high. I, j- I mean, let's not, you know, pretend but that's like, not I a don't thing. know because, like, that the antithesis of that would be like a Jess, right? Mm-hmm. Jess is not a white blonde girl. No, <laughs> but she's got hella. That's what I'm saying. But she's, she's got, got hella, hella personality. personality. She's articulate. She's smart. Yeah. She's funny. She's got a really cute dog. She yeah. did something different that was entertaining and wasn't was missing in the space and was valuable in the space. Exactly. And did it have to be weekly? No. I and I understand why she moved away from that because that's taxing. That's exhausting. And doing it monthly is great. And I love that doing it monthly has freed her up to mm-hmm. explore other areas of. Booktube. I love watching her vlogs and seeing yeah. her be human. Now, I also, you know, we're friends and I talk to her and like, you know, so maybe it's a different connection. Yeah. Uh, but I think that she's a person and people like that. People want this parasocial relationship with people on social media. That is why you succeed because yeah. they feel like they get like you get each other. They like, you know, you, there's something you're grasping onto. Mm hmm. But I still think you're right. I still think that predominantly, if I was like a 20-something blonde chick. If you were a 20-something blonde chick who had a really pretty house and you did a lot of, you know, fun baking and you also read majority of the popular books, your numbers would skew a lot differently. Exactly. I'm, I'm pretty secure and making that assumption. I think that that's fair. I think that that if I had like a white beige and gray house mm-hmm. with zero clutter and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, a labradoodle, like, and I just made cupcakes and read, yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. Then people would be like, oh, I love this. Exactly. And you could skip making videos for like a whole year and nobody would unsubscribe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the moment you come back, they will still love you. Like I, I have watched this with my own eyes. So like I'm not making this up. Like I have watched this. But the other the other side of this is like how do you find the people that are like you? And by you I don't mean like look like me. I mean like that are like me, like me the person that makes up Alyssa on YouTube. Because the uh, yeah. algorithm's not going to help you. Like most of the people that I follow and actually watch all the time. Like, first of all, my YouTube algorithm is so screwed up because I fall asleep to ASMR. So I get a lot of ASMR recommended to me. I watch yeah. a ton of anti-MLM content. And a lot of times I fall asleep to that again. So it's just going while I'm sleeping. And I watch BookTube while I'm awake, which is obviously a lot fewer hours because I, I don't have as much time to watch YouTube like purposefully, yeah. right? So those those things aren't getting recommended to me as much as the other two categories right. because just hours watched whether I'm asleep or not. And I watch so many different kinds of people that I don't think it knows what to recommend me. So most of the time I have to actively seek out people. You know, it's funny. And then continue to actively seek them out 
to get new videos because the algorithm is not showing them to me. I mean, I have to do that for the book stuff, but for books, just for for books, all the other things that I watch on YouTube, for whatever reason, the algorithm gets to write in recommendations Mm -hmm. for, for me. It's only the category of literature where I have to seek out things on my own. I think that the algorithm doesn't know how to process it because I think there's almost like too much variation in reading and booktube in terms of like buzzwords or keywords or whatever they're picking up on to fully, I don't know, curate a list for us that makes sense. Even, um, I mean, I don't have enough people to that watch my stuff to, to do this. This is why I don't think that my analytics are the best um, mm-hmm benchmark yeah. um, but when you have enough they you know you can see the people who sub to you who they who else they sub mm-hmm. and uh, you know the people like all four creators on the that that live we're talking about how like it doesn't make sense like if you're watching me why are you watching them like they're nothing like me and i think that says a lot about what do booktubers viewers what do they do we don't necessarily all niche down but the algorithm likes niching down. I don't care how many times I put into the YouTube search engine, black, black booktube, booktuber. Like it still will not recommend black booktubers to me. And the I'm only putting time this in it, on a weekly basis. The only time it recommended black booktubers to me was back in 2020 when it was like hip to watch black booktube. I can count on one hand how many times YouTube has recommended a black booktuber to me. About a week period there were, and it wasn't like immediately after everything started to like all of the everything was sort of part of the it was a couple weeks in and then for about a week I kept getting recommended different mm. um, essentially not white booktubers right and then it just petered out and I don't know why yeah it's it's strange YouTube just wants to keep recommending non-black booktubers to me even though I'm constantly putting it in the search engine. Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't figured that out, but it's, I don't know. They, they, I think Google itself just has an issue in their, in their algorithm as a whole when it comes mm-hmm. to brown and black people. Do you find that on Instagram, if you go into like any of the explore pages, do you ever do that and see what gets recommended to you? I always go on my for you and the explore pages. I want to see what's in there. And it's stuff that I do not care about majority of the so time. So it's still not even better curated. So Facebook's not doing a better job even. There's some bookish stuff in there, but it's like. Most of it is it's like, why is this in here? I had a whole slew of time. And Instagram, I had like a month where I don't know exactly where it was, if it was like Turkish or like Persian. It was like in that sort of that area of the The world, world. wedding dances, where that was like all I was getting recommended. Did you watch a reel of one, one, one time? Maybe, but it was like a month of this. And I was like, well, these are cool. These are cool. Like, There's nothing wrong with this. But I was like, where did you get this information from? You clicked on a video one time. Because what I'm putting into what I'm putting into Instagram and what I'm clicking on on Instagram majority is not I don't know wedding dances of any sort. Right. <laughs> I do now and I find myself in my explorer like the videos that I really don't want to see I click not interested so that yeah. it will stop showing me and I have to do that a lot. Like yeah. a lot. 
I have to do that with a lot of the ads where I'm like, please stop. Oh, I do I don't that too. Need to keep seeing this. Yeah, I have to do that too. So I, I yeah, I don't know. All right, what are these? What are these other? What are these other arguments? I mean, I I still don't really understand. Uh, I still don't understand why people get so upset about book calls, but whatever. I don't. I think people just like to get upset about things. I honestly just think that strangers on the internet like to find fault. So, like uh, Heather was saying, uh, talking about some of the things that she's heard, like because she doesn't haul a lot of books, she is like a family of five or something like that. That's not a part of her budget. Mm-hmm. Um, she reads a lot of books. She still has a booktube, right? You know, and it does well. And um, like you'll get things like, so she's not even hauling stuff, but she'll get things like, how do you read so much? Why aren't you taking care of your kids? So it's like people, I think, just like, they feel like behind their keyboards, they can say anything they like. Yeah. Well, that's, we know and, that to be there, true. Yeah, And there are people that just, I think, like to do this. And they so there's some, they're like, there's some freedom, I guess, they feel in being able to actually express their inner disgusting without having to feel sorry for it it's so weird uh, it's and it's such an old argument and it's like i really don't like any argument where somebody's trying to count my coins <laughs> no you know what i, I mean like bullshit. you don't know how much money i make you don't know what my but like you don't know my financial life so do not comment pipe down on my financial life you do not know what's going on over here and I do Pipe not have to explain it to you. Down. And I will not explain it to you. <laughs> it's absolutely none of your business. <laughs> none. If I have all the money in the world and want to buy the books, if I have no money in the world and want to go into debt, none of your problems. None, none of, of your business. business. Right. It always is just so <laughs> hilarious to me, the things that people get upset over when watching other people that are online doing various things. It's like, why are you so bothered by this? Well, of course, one of the things that comes up all the time is like we all have the ubiquitous wall of books, right? Which is not a you all, and I hate when people talk in absolutes. There's plenty of people that don't buy lots of books. There's plenty right. of people that live off their Kindle and maybe have a handful of books because they really love them, but that's that's it. Yeah. Some of these books I have been collecting since I was a wee person. Yeah. Because this is what I do. So, like, I didn't go out yesterday and buy all these books. I'm 38 years old. I mean, I've had this Taming of the Shrew. First of all, it was my brother's probably since, like, I don't know, 1993. Like, but here's the thing. But how many things are like this? And, like, I don't think that we need to justify why we don't have a wall of books or why we do have a wall of books. It's none of your fucking business. But also, even if you did just acquire every single book on your shelf yesterday, fucking business. It's it's like that's your choice. That's your choice. Do you go on? But like, like you really want to get on people for buying books when there are people doing buying like 30 Birkins like these are books like this is like a capsule of knowledge and like a journey and pages and like this is not like wasteful consumerism which I think is what 
the the argument comes from is there's a lot of like wasteful like you're just consumerism is bad for the environment and there's that angle of it too listen and i'm like let me me be very honest i also don't give two shits if somebody buys 30 birkins I don't care either. If you can buy them, good luck for you. Good. You know what I mean? I don't know Maybe how you you're buying them, them for an investment. I don't know what your purpose of buying them is, whether it's for I investment mean, or pure joy. I'm just saying I don't care. They are an investment. There's a return a on that investment. Buy, a lot of people buy very expensive things as like a financial backup plan in case some crap goes down. Oh, I can't. Do you not think that I still have my very expensive engagement ring? That is my, if I run out of all the money in the world and everything goes to shit, right. I can at least eat for a few weeks. Exactly. Fund. And there's plenty of people who do the same thing with other stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's where, I, this is where I get to know with, with these blanket judgments about quote unquote capitalism. You do not know people's individual's intent and purposes mm-hmm. of making said financial decisions. And my thing is, why do you think it's your business? Anyway, people on the internet think it's their fucking business. Anyway, what what are these other arguments that were in this video? This is very interesting. Look, to me. look, I'm look a good how time. angry you are. Look how angry you are. No, I mean, I don't. I think it was just like a discussion. Nobody was like, there were no like real answers. Everyone was just like, can everybody like stop trying to make absolutes out of all this shit? But I do yeah. think that, you know, you don't get rewarded which is a terrible word but it's for the best way to like describe it for reading however you want or making whatever videos make you happy or reading outside of the mainstream because we're talking about like youtube as a whole yeah right so the Mm -hmm. algorithm is going to push content that most other people are also uploading so if like yeah. 30 people are uploading this one thing and then the two people over there are uploading something else, they're pushing the 30 over here. Yeah. Look, YouTube wants to get as many views on things as possible to get so more they money get from AdSense. ads. So they're interested in what the mass are doing, not the few. So I feel like that's the consumerism argument. It's not that I bought the books. The consumerism argument is, is what is Google doing? With their lives, because Google is a business. The, Google is trying to make money because they're a business. They're <laughs> the ones that are perpetuating consumerism because they're the ones that are trying to maximize profits, and by their profits are in selling shit and getting people to buy shit through ads. It's not us. I'm not doing it. I don't care how you get a book. Just please don't I mean, pirate it. But here's the thing. They're a business. What are they supposed to do? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not like <laughs> mad at them. I'm just saying, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna keyboard warrior, can you yell at Google? Don't yell at me. Like, because I bought 20 books that I probably didn't buy all of them. And and some of them I bought for like 20 cents, like, or I found in a free library. Like, don't come for me. Come for go for Google for being a cog in the wheel that is capitalism don't like the per i don't know it's it's ridiculous and but like one of the other conversations which i think is something that gets neglected a lot in uh bookish social media overall is the global south Mm-hmm. And how they're just like that forgotten is just in a lot of the discussions that we have. 
Yeah. And and there isn't a, a, a enough understanding of the privilege that you have being particularly an English speaking northern hemisphere. <laughs> yeah. Book reviewer. Cuz if you know, you're in the US, UK, Australia, parts of Europe, you're getting access to things that yeah. people in South America are not getting access to. People I think India actually has an amazing reader community mm-hmm. and writing community, but I don't know what their access is. I'm not familiar with that. But like, you know, say you're in like, I don't know, Cambodia and you're an amazing, you're, you're like, uh, not amazing, you're like yeah. an avid reader. You're not going to have the same access to things as someone in New Jersey. Like you just, you don't. And right. so when we have these conversations about things like pirating books, is it wrong? Yes. But is there a reason why it's happening? Also, yes. Because when you don't have access to stuff, you will find a way to get it. But hang on. Hang on. And see. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just no, no, saying I'm I understand why it's happening. But what I'm saying is there's also an assumption that regular old U.S. citizens are not the ones doing it. That too. See, these arguments are difficult because you just really don't know. Yeah. You don't know really who's doing what. So I think it's very, I don't think it's effective having these blanket arguments about a lot of these things because we don't really have the fine data points to back any of it up. But do you think it's, do you think that success in bookish social media is elitist? Why would it be elitist? This is where I, this, this particular argument I don't understand. Why Do you, would that be so elitist? The, the term elitist is, it's, I don't think it's a good term. I think it's very, um, I think that bookish social media likes white gay men, mm-hmm. young white women. Yes. And then there are some other outliers in between, mm-hmm. mostly f- of, of other areas, mostly either out of like, I don't know what, luck, right. happenstance, semblance of diversity. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not part of the machine. But predominantly, the people who do really well are white gay men mm-hmm. and young white girls. And I think if you're British, it's better. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But where's it elitist, though? Where's that I don't think it's elitist. Yeah. I think there's things that might be a little elitist. And I think that's elitist in the way that a lot of things are elitist. Like certain people become incredibly successful with certain podcasts and things that we're not going to mention people so they don't come for us. But because they happen to have husbands and connections and things and then they can take something that maybe the average joe is trying to make and is slogging away at and now they're starting like we're starting here they're starting up here because they have privileges and that's perhaps how it's elitist um i think there was some discussion about uh, looking down on other genres, like I only read classics, so you're not as good of a, write, a reader and all of that. Or like, I read literary fiction or like, oh, I only read like classic fantasy, you know, like things. Right. 
And I think that's like a natural issue that's going to arise in any sort of right. Because now we're just like talking this. about personality types. Yeah, and they're not, and there's also they're just that way. Not about just books about everything. That's their personality type. And you see it in a lot of things. You see it with foodies. You see it with wine oh, yeah. people. You oh, see yes. it with alcohol snobs. With this, that, yeah, and the other with thing. Fashion with everything. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. Yeah. There's always going to be those people that are like, well, you're just a plebe and you don't know. Exactly. Like, I don't know why that's my voice that I chose, but I like Chardonnay. It. I like Chardonnay. It. Do more. <laughs> we'll name her Chardonnay. <laughs> Do more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, it, it, I definitely thought it was a very interesting discussion and brought up a bunch of different things. I think one of the things that really made me latch onto the discussion and maybe bring it to your attention was how much of the conversation was focused on reading diversely. And by that, they kept referring to reading LGBTQ, reading POC and BIPOC. And it wasn't until someone in the comments and after a while, somebody in the comments brought up translated works that then translated the works. So like it wasn't forefront. It wasn't at the forefront of anybody's just like arguments mm. and, and it's not that anybody disagreed with the argument it was just it needed to be like like ring ding ding remember translated yeah, words yeah and i i think that people need to remember there is more to reading diversely than just being like i read a black author right or a queer one yeah like look i i i read the house in the cerulean sea he's gay you know yeah. like like there's more to it than that yeah. It is really about opening yourself up to as many different books as possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't... And let me be very specific. In my bookstagram timeline, I know that I had to specifically follow the hashtags translated literature, translated Same. fiction, to, to find more readers who really prioritized translated works. Yeah. And on BookTube, I have to do the same thing. Like I have to put in like translated literature, translated fiction to find more people. Because even though like I am subscribed to and I watch every video about Books and Bow who basically focuses on translated works, YouTube is still not recommending me readers on BookTube who talk about translated works. So yeah. I'm also always seeking that out. But yeah, so in both places, I had to seek that out because it just wasn't, it wasn't amongst the people that I was already following. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I don't, it, 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 it almost seems like it's not very popular or just not on people's radar. I don't know if it's just, I, I, I don't think that it's not necessarily popular because I don't like, that's like a weird word to sort of define in this what i mean like it's not a popular thing to read translated works i don't think it's a popular thing to talk about on social media because i think there are plenty of people who if when you start doing the digging you realize how many people are reading translated works and then let's not forget the fact that we are being very anglo-centric right now Mm -hmm. a lot of people read our English written books, not yes. just US, but like English written books in other fucking languages. And yeah. those are translated works. Yes. So this is not so we need to stop being so like us centric and mm-hmm. actually open ourselves up to every 
thing. Right. And I just, I just wonder if reading is such a complex topic that it doesn't do well on the algorithm. Unless you are very niched down. So if you are not, like, if you are a romance reader and that is all you read, like, I imagine somebody like April who predominantly reads romance, who predominantly reads a certain subset of romance. Our April? Our our April. uh, Books in April. She reads a very specific. Dark romance. Lane of romance. Yeah, she's dark romance. Are probably way more curated to her. I mean, I could be wrong, but are probably way more curated to her interests because she is so niched down in the majority of her interests. Whereas you and I are like all over the fucking place. Yeah. I don't think the algorithm knows what to send us. Yeah. So that's how I end up with Turkish wedding dances because they're like, well, try this. <laughs> well, also I think it. I think it's important to note that so. I enjoy Instagram as a whole. I do not just follow bookish accounts. My Instagram is made up of books, food, travel, business, and home decor. Mm, that's my personal. I, I my books is mostly books. Yeah. So I my yeah. I've only had one Instagram. <laughs> Apparently, like Turkish wedding dances. <laughs> I decided when when I when I was getting more when I was getting back into reading. There was that question: Do I create a whole other account or just change my name on my? I just changed my name on my existing account. I mm-hmm. don't want another personal one. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's too much. So those are the five core things that I follow and enjoy on Instagram. What's interesting is I don't think that we're experiencing anything different in like how sort of befuddling the things that are that are recommended to us, and like mine is much more focused, mm-hmm. and yours is than yours. But it seems like the algorithm's still confused. Yes. But what's interesting, so like on YouTube for the other two things I watch predominantly, ASMR and and anti-MLM content, those algorithms don't seem to have a problem. Yeah. And they even have figured out for my ASMR to show me like bookish ASMR. Oh, okay. But in the book stuff, I got to hunt for stuff. I, yeah. I really have to actively and even and, and I know I don't watch it as much so it's not going to show up as much in my feed I have to like really go and be like I want to see book stuff and then but even then I have to be like I don't want to see this I'm gonna have to go through my subs and really like clean it out that's that's me thing but like you should know that like I predominantly watch you know exactly these seven people if you're gonna show me somebody new show me somebody that's like one of these seven people don't show me this Some is where they can't person. get it right. This is where they can't get it right. Like YouTube continues to, sh- to to recommend people to me that like just did a book haul of like 60 YA books. You know, God darn well, YouTube, that that is not my jam. Why are you yeah. recommending this to me? You yeah. see all the videos that I watch in the booktube, you know, realm, you know. So give me that stuff. Or they recommend someone to me that's like a hardcore, you know, Sergey Master Lee Bardugo fan. Why are you doing that, YouTube? Why? It makes no sense. It really doesn't. It makes no sense. So I guess I'm just going to have to keep doing what I've been doing. And that is just going on my own little special hunt on BookTube to find what I want when it comes to the books itself. Yeah. 
it's really it's really a shame because there's so many wonderful creators out there that just there aren't are. getting attention and they they have followers they have you know people are paying but like there's more people that could be looking at them and should be looking at them and they're not because they're not blonde white chicks from the, the UK yeah <laughs> or whatever it is whatever the the yeah. the booktuber du jour is <laughs> or the algorithm it's really it's i just think it's more complex than the algorithm can manage it may be it may be i mean literature is an extremely broad topic mm-hmm. and it has a million layers a million layers and i don't think the algorithm can pull all those layers back i don't think it can i think it like breaks down like yeah. me standing out in front of my wall of my books trying to pick yeah. something to read. I'm like, and then I just yeah. shut down. So like you were talking about, so like Books and Bow recently hit 10,000 subscribers. Congratulations. And Woo-hoo. I think it's because they they are so niche down. And mm-hmm. people that like what they read, they found one another. And they have yeah. a very, very strong, active community. But like you were mm-hmm. saying, that's more likely to happen when you niche way down. Yep. To find somebody that has like my exact readers or close to my reading tastes, it's way harder because my reading tastes are more complex than just like, I love grimdark fantasy. Nothing wrong with grimdark fantasy, but if that is what I predominantly read, it's way easier to find people who like what I'm reading than if I'm like, I like this and that and this and that. Like, duh, 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 duh. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Well, let me just, like, look, look at what I showed you in the beginning. I mean, I've got, like, a massive literary fiction and freaking manga. Like, right. where is that intersection on, on YouTube? I don't know. Yeah. It's- it exists. Like, it's not like we're freaks, but it's just, YouTube doesn't know how to be like, here are your people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think this is something that they're going to be able to really figure out. Honestly, they can't because computers can't do everything. If yeah. sci-fi has taught us anything, it is that robots and computers cannot do everything. Well, also, you know, the the developers that are working on the algorithm m- most likely aren't readers. Yeah. So when, or you're- at least not readers in all areas. Yeah, or, yeah, so when they're building this algorithm and they're thinking about things like that, they they may not know what to really put in or to think about Yeah, to really sparse out the book channels. Yeah. And I always, like, wonder if there's, like, a key to particularly YouTube because um, I don't know what the fuck Instagram's doing. Like, every day it's a different thing over there. But, like, I... Is there like a key to unlocking YouTube where it's like, if you use just this right keyword, you click this right box, you do this right combination of things, it's, it's going to like bump you up in the, like, you know, like, is there, I don't think it's about, well, I think mostly YouTube is about, are you, have you created a channel that is one of the top performing topics? Have you created a financial literacy channel? Have you created a business channel? Have you created yeah. a gaming channel? Have you created, um, there's another, oh, tech. Mm-hmm. Fashion. 
Makeup. fashion, you can almost be certain that with those categories, you're going to do fairly well if you are posting consistently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you don't give up. And there's also a quality. There's also a quality level. So like when you started YouTube years ago, everybody had sort of budget quality. Mm-hmm. And now you're like taking on these juggernauts that have like very high production value. Even mm-hmm. when it's low production value, a lot of people have very high, low production value. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you're really like punching. You're like trying to punch up when you come into the, the sphere. So if you don't find either dumb luck or your audience or like a little special pocket of whatever your thing is like you're really fighting i think that's where people should be getting on up people's buttholes is about how much money they spend on production because i can buy all the books i want but you know what i can't buy is more cameras and better lighting i just think youtube is going to push the most popular topics that are already performing well on youtube that's that's just it I mean, I agree. I think that's why like the Jack Edwards do so well is because they're not specifically booktubers. They are lifestyle vloggers that have added reading to their niche. So they, mm-hmm. it's like they have this very well-established fan base yeah. that they are already being sort of, you know, I don't know, pseudo-intellectual in reading. And now yeah. they're just kind of, now that they've built it, they can come in and add this layer. It's like a layer on top of something they've already built. But I think if right. someone like Jack Edwards was trying to do that today specifically what he's doing right now from scratch without any other fan base or without any other work behind it, I think it would be very different. He might still end up being very successful. I'm not going to take that away from him. He's very entertaining. He's, he's quips. He's funny. His cuts are good, but like, do you know what I mean? Like I just, I, he, when he moves into the book sphere, there's, he's coming from a different angle sunbeam jess is kind of coming from a different angle like if it was me i'd have to like become something else to go over there does that well, make sense here's the other thing i think that is important to note a lot of these people have been on youtube for a very long time yeah yeah so really they can branch off and add anything or do anything differently and still maintain their, they've been on a very long time. They've already built the base. Yeah. And so if you came on YouTube six, seven years ago, it's very different than coming on YouTube right now. Two years ago. Yeah. So when we look at somebody that has like, you know, half a million subscribers, but they've been on six years, it's like, mm, yeah, you know, yeah, they, they spent a long time up, you know, uploading videos week after week after, you know, and building that community. Yeah. I mean, it is a labor of love. I mean, I don't do any of this for any reason other than I just enjoy it. I actually like vlogging for you guys. I'm glad I'm vlogging again. I really enjoy that. I find it better than sit down videos. I just the like the personal pan pizza has been very difficult for me. I wonder why. And like, it was very hard for me to vlog. Cause like, what was I going to show you? Just me crying. Like, what do you want to like? I, I, I'm hoping to become a normal human again. 
but I don't do it because because I get, literally don't get anything out of it. But I enjoy it, and for like the five people that actually really watch, I appreciate them, and I like, you like. I don't know. It's it's lovely. I love seeing the people that have done my 75 hard challenge and are like, you really do read more books. Like, I feel better. Like, that's fun. I mean, I failed my own fucking 75 hard challenge because I tried to do it in like the fourth wave, third wave, whatever wave we're on. Like, <laughs> and and I, I couldn't get there because I just was like, I need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But it's it's really lovely building a community of like like maybe not minded but like interested people <laughs> like we have similar interests we are you know you have co- people that are kind to each other no matter how big or how small it is it's it's really nice this world is, can be very lonely like it's oh, yeah. nice to have people overall this this video you're referring to I think this word they're using is not the right one. Yeah, I think the things they're discussing are very interesting and important. I think it's 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 a very good conversation to have and to keep having. Um, but I don't know about the elitism word. Yeah, that's that's the word. I just I don't know how fitting that is. Really, I think it's more complex than that word. I think it's that word makes it seem like you just have to be rich. Right. It gives me a have and have nots feeling but the arguments you're making don't really f- always fit in the have and have nots subcategory mm-hmm. um, but I'm also not sure I'm not sure what the right word is Me and also not- some of these topics we just need to like stop talking about <laughs> like I, I just really I, I don't want to hear people talking about book hauls anymore it's just like let people do what they're gonna do you, you know whatever. a lot of the times i mean I, I i don't know like do the people who comment think that it's it's like showing off or something because a lot of the times we just want to show each other i mean we do it to each other in our own private group chats we mm-hmm. want we're excited we are people who read and are also book collectors want to show other people who read and are book collectors the things that they found, especially if they've thrifted them. Well, if you're because on social like, media, look, what are you supposed to do? Isn't it the point? Look, yeah, like look at this fantastic find. Like I'm psyched that I found Lauren Olympus for not a lot of money. Like that's fantastic. I want to tell you that. But even if you bought it at full price, that doesn't matter. That's, no, it doesn't. Right. But if you're on social media to talk about books, mm-hmm. don't you think a book haul is a part of that conversation? Like, I, this is where I'm getting like, you want to just fussing just to be fussing. If you're on social media to talk about a thing, then you're going to show all the things about that one big thing. Yeah. And they can, like, pe- there are plenty of people that do library halls and there's still book halls. There's plenty of people who do, like, all kinds of different versions of a hall that aren't, like, I went to Barnes and Noble and spent almost 30, to- well, we read a lot of adult books, so like almost $30 a book. And I came home with a hundred of them. 
And also, we are blessed to get free books from publishers. And a lot of the times, the only way that I can get those books in front of people's eyes so that at least I'm fulfilling a part of the obligation that I feel I have towards the publisher is is to do a book call and say, thank you, Tor, for sending me this. This is beautiful. This is the book. Uh, Sounds really great. It's out at this time. And that gets maybe maybe I don't read it forever maybe I never read it but maybe there's someone on the other end of that that goes oh my god that sounds fantastic and then they go buy the book or they get it from the library they borrow it from here there or whatever they read it on script I don't care how you read that is all part of this unspoken agreement that we have we have being book influencers because that's what we are we our job is not just to read and talk about it there is another layer of that that is to we have a consumer piece like we want to promote books for that are we like so that authors that wrote the books we like make Mm -hmm. money right i have seen people say like oh I get so tired of Booster Grammar showing all these arcs. It just seems like they're just showing off. I've, I've I've seen those comments before. I've seen them too. And like, it's like, those are people that haven't figured out how to ask for an arc. Because I didn't know how to ask for an arc for a really long time. And somebody had to tell me and then I've told other people. And there's a lot of like, not necessarily gatekeeping. I guess there is some gatekeeping in, in this, but like, just not like not like freely opening the gate for like for people mm-hmm. like whether or not to, like like I don't know how to get brand deals. I, it's not that I can't figure it out. It's that it's not just like information falling from the sky. Right, and there is also like ego stuff involved with it. Like I don't think that at the size of my Instagram platform or the very small size of my YouTube channel that. I have clout enough to be like, you do. Yes. I you do. do. Obviously I do. Cause I do work with people, but there is this part where you're like, when you're not, there is an ego involved in this where you feel like, Oh, maybe I'm just not big enough. So I can't like, I can't ask for an arc. Yes, you can. Because they want, publishers are way more free and easy with arcs than, than you think they are. Mm-hmm. And then especially if you develop a relationship with them, like I have a wonderful relationship with Tor. I don't know how I ended up getting, starting that relationship. I mean, yeah. I know how I did. I like emailed them, but like, I am so grateful that they emailed me back and yeah. that we have been developing this relationship because I obviously love them. And the people that genuinely promote your product are better at promoting your product because the people watching it know Yep. That you were genuinely doing it. Because if we got paid for all the times that we talked about the profits. Maybe I'd have me a Birkin. <laughs> See how I brought that right back around? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with a Birkin. <laughs> Wear it, darling. <laughs> I don't know where. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I I think that's a very interesting conversation. I think that I always find YouTube in particular, but all the social media algorithms, very fascinating because 
there is this like element of dumb luck that you feel like they have, but there isn't. A lot of people, like you said, have been doing this for years. There are yeah. people that have been doing this so long that they're not even a part of like the their grandfathered into monetization because mm-hmm. they are before all the monetization rules. Yeah. And that really changes the game mm-hmm. because like I am struggling to get to a thousand subs. But even if I get to a thousand subs, which I will get to probably before I meet the other criteria of having monetization. Right. Right. Like it's not like you just get to one benchmark. They have their, they don't want to give up their AdSense money. Exactly. That's <laughs> the point. YouTube is not trying to pay you. Like YouTube right. is trying to pay YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So so they're, they're, there's hoops now. It's like now that they are an actual legitimate thing. Like, no, you really got to work for it, baby. Like, <laughs> and then I'll give you that one nickel that you earned on video. <laughs> Doing this podcast has helped me be more consistent with my YouTube because we put it out on my channel because that's where we had a channel and any viewership at all. As small as it was, that's where we had viewership. And it, I know that every Monday I'm going to have a video. So it feels like I've already completed part of my tasks for the week. So like every Monday I have one video. So even if I can only get out a second video, that's two videos a week, which is great. So if I get out a third video, whoo, I feel like I'm on fire. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a very long way to think. I'm very tired. I am um, that that very one tired glass too. of wine pitched me over into exhaustion i've got to go th- do things with caleb because the evening is going by really quickly it's already almost 6 30 how did that happen how did that happen because we've been talking a Ooh. lot so i'm gonna give mine and this is actually this came up on the chat uh on that live stream so uh i'm gonna recommend the conductors by nicole glover because more people do need to read this and this is something that came up in the chat that somebody was like somebody more people need to read this and i was like yeah they do because this book is fantastic i still need to read the next book the mm. undertakers mm-hmm. but if you want to read diversely if you like mystery if you like I don't know, books by black authors. Uh, if you like a little bit of magical realism, this book is fantastic. Um, this is a murder mystery set in the aftermath of the Civil War. So Hetty Rhodes and her husband, Benji, are conductors on the Underground Railroad, ferrying dozens of slaves to freedom with daring, cunning, and magic that draws its power from the constellations, which I think is super cool. With the war over, those skills find a new purpose as Hetty and Benji solve mysteries and murders that white authorities would otherwise ignore. In the heart of Philadelphia's seventh ward, everyone knows that when there's a strange death or magical curses are causing trouble, Hetty and Benji are the ones who can solve the case. But when an old friend is murdered, their investigation stirs up a wasp's nest of intrigue, lies, and long-buried secrets and a mystery unlike anything they've handled before. With a clever, cold-blooded killer on the prowl, Hetty and Benji, testing their magic and placing their lives at risk, will discover how little they really know about their neighbors and themselves. Mm. This book... So one of the things that came up was like how this book was everywhere is like an anticipated read when it came out and then mm-hmm. nobody talks about it ever again. This book was so good yeah. and needs more more time. I think the magic system is interesting. It's not like a really hard magic system. Like so it's just it's more like I don't know. It's it's a softer magic system, but it's yeah. it's it's good. It's more about your characters. It's more about Hetty and Benji. It's more about the, the mysteries and then the history that gets told to you through 
the solving of this mystery. And, and I love it. And I need, I do need to get my butt into the undertakers. I feel like I have the conductors as an e-arc, which is why I haven't read it. You know, probably how that goes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I am going to recommend the rib King by, you oh, know, you did love that I don't know how to say her first name. What anyway, the rib King lady. I don't know. Hubbard. I'm going to think it's lady. Maybe. So let me let me read the flap. Okay. For 15 years, August has worked for the Barclays, a well-to-do white family in a Midwestern city who plucked him from an orphan asylum and offered him a job. A child survivor of a racist massacre in the South, the groundskeeper is part of the household's all-black staff, along with Miss Mamie, the talented cook, young new maid, Jenny Williams, and three kitchen apprentices, the last orphan boys Mr. Barclay has taken into, quote-unquote, civilized, as he did August. But the Barclays' fortune have fallen and their money is almost gone. When a prospective business associate proposes selling Miss Mamie's delicious meat sauce to local markets, a cash-strapped Mr. Barclay agrees. Under the brand name, The Rib King, the sauce is advertised with a caricature of a broadly grinning August Sitwell wearing a jewel-encrusted crown on the label. Yet neither Miss Mamie nor August will see a dime from that enterprise. During the promotional tours to sell the sauce, The Rib King displays increasingly erratic behavior that suggests deeper motivations fueled by vengeance. The rest of the former staff, having witnessed Mr. Sitwell's transformation, finds themselves implicated in the crimes of the River King and are forced to contend with the consequences. This book was fantastic. I I know you love that book. It was so, it was really, really good because, you know, you've got a little bit of mystery involved here. You've got people trying to, you know, make their way into owning their own business, trying to get under the, um, under the grasp of this Barclay, Barclay family. You've got, you know, racism, class privilege, just exploitation. The whole nine is in this book and it was a really solid read. Was, is this a date? Is this a debut? This came out last year, I think. If it was good, it's probably a debut because I feel like that's the way it's been recently. <laughs> it came out last year, but like it, it really was a good book. And so I'm hoping that when we're out thrifting next month that I run across it because I would love to own my own copy. This has got to go back to the library soon. And I think she just came out with a short story collection, if I'm not mistaken. I'm always leery about short stories, but I may get it from the library at some point and read it. But the Rib King was fantastic. I feel like um, the theme from 2021 was that the debuts were slapping. They were so good. And the YA books, especially in fantasy, were just underwhelming. Yes, I kept hearing that. <laughs> I kept he- Okay, yeah. So the Rib King came out January 19th, 2021. Seems fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway well that's all we got right we'd love to hear your thoughts on this though like how do you feel the space really is 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 it i guess is it dominated by certain people like it can can like are there just certain people that have a chokehold on the book space and the rest of us are just gonna be where we are i don't know we have no answers we only speculate that's what we do on this podcast That's it. Thanks for tuning in. Zero shade to anybody we talked about on this uh, as examples. It's just examples on. Yeah, we had no shade. We're just giving you some on their accounts. Since we were talking about people who like to keyboard warrior or make nasty comments, I just wanted to put that disclaimer in at the end. To the keyboard warriors, settle down. I'll send Naomi after you. She's. I'm scared of conflict, but Naomi is not. So well. (laughs) 
I'm not, but also I don't argue with people on the internet. Yeah. So it's not worth it. If you come at me on the internet, I will happily ignore you because I do not have the time nor the energy. So just know that. Don't expect the comment from me because I'm too old for that shit. I'm the person that if you knock on my door and I don't expect you to be there, I hide. So <laughs> that's how I am. <laughs> I I know how some of y'all like to tussle. <laughs> I don't I will, tussle. I will not tussle with you on the internet. I'm too old for that. I'm sorry. I just want to do it. Anyway, tap in, folks. Let us know how you feel about this conversation we had today. We would love yeah. to hear your thoughts. And Wait, we have a chatty couple episodes coming up. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy all the chat happening in the publishing and booking bookish space. And it's been fun to kind of talk about it all. Yeah, and I'm all these lives, I think that pe- these epi- these lives that people are having right now, it is particularly in the last, like, I don't know, two months have been mm-hmm. really interesting to watch come up. There's been a lot of discussion about all kinds of stuff. So yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting. I like that everyone's talking about stuff. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're out of here. Mm-hmm. We got stuff to do. It's Sunday. We got to get prepped for the, for the work week. Uh. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, folks. Bye. Bye. Well, we've come to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We kindly ask that you go to Apple Podcast and subscribe to our show and leave a review. That would help us out tremendously. Don't forget to follow TBR Lowdown on Instagram at TBR Lowdown and visit our website for show notes, the link to join our Discord book club and other information at tbrlowdown.com. You can follow me, Naomi, on Instagram at BookLadyReads and follow Alyssa on Instagram at NerdyNurseReads. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Until next time.